What are some of the biggest cybersecurity-related challenges facing the healthcare sector in 2017? I'm Marian Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Bill Fox, VP of Healthcare and Life Sciences at MarkLogic. Bill is also the former Deputy Chief of Economic and Cybercrime at the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office and an ex-Special Assistant U.S. Attorney in Philadelphia. Bill will be speaking to us about some of the cybersecurity challenges he sees facing the healthcare sector in 2017. So now, Bill, as we know, we've seen a surge in cyber attacks in the healthcare sector over the last two years. As you talk to healthcare sector organizations, including payers, healthcare providers, as well as technology firms or so-called HIPAA business associates that serve the sector, what are they most concerned about in terms of cybersecurity challenges looking ahead to 2017? I think the concern really lies around possibly being sort of behind the curve. So I think the cybersecurity experts and people that do this have been talking to healthcare organizations for years about this and sort of warning that eventually the hackers and the sort of organized crime around this was going to get to healthcare and when they did it would be bad for a long time we've known in the medical identity field that you know a medical identity is worth 50 times what a credit card number is worth and that's because you can use it for a lot longer and people don't read their EOBs and the connection sort of i guess between medical identity theft and sort of cyber crime writ large was was a little difficult to make so i think you have healthcare organizations now who realize after the recent ransomware attack and various breaches that i need to catch up on this very quickly because the consequences to the organization in terms of costs and reputation and others are really large. So Bill with that said, do you have any suggestions on what the sector should be doing now to address some of these concerns rather than wait till after they become a victim? Yeah, I, I think it all goes back to the phrase of security culture. And I think that has two aspects to it. I I always think about it in two ways. There's sort of the physical and human security culture and then there's the IT and data security culture. So one is you really have to have everyone in the organization understand how important their role is. So right down from a person that's cleaning up the office not being able to walk out with what's in the trash can which could potentially have PHI on it to changing passwords to making sure you don't have unencrypted data on a laptop that you take home to making sure you've done whatever they ask you to do on your mobile device to not have people coming in and out of the office unescorted so there's all these sort of things that can seem a little oh come on nothing's ever going to happen but that's exactly how people get this information you know if you want a big list of billing numbers you pay somebody in an organization to take them So you have to really do that and you know there's been recent studies that show that you know, 70% of organizations still don't think that the chief security officer should be sort of on the exec team. But I I think that's changing now with the ransomware attacks and what not but so there's that part and then there's the part around the data. So I think what you've seen traditionally 
is a pretty straightforward or overly simplified approach to HIPAA compliance and, and trying to put basic measures in place. But it really has to be much more sophisticated. So you really have to make sure that whatever software you're having doesn't have a backdoor, that the EHR you're using doesn't have a backdoor so that they can go in. And if it does, it has to be secure. You want those vendors to be able to do checks on their software, but that has to be secure. That your organization isn't blind because of encryption, certain vulnerabilities. That people understand, you know, about phishing attacks. That you're aware when you put that in the cloud, sort of how those assets are shared. And, you know, that's one of the things that we really look at at MarkLogic is, you know, having this data-centric approach. So not thinking about things, you know, is your software secure, is the app secure, is this secure, but at the data level, you know, what are you doing to control what that network looks like? So now, Bill, in the past, you've had experience prosecuting cyber crimes. And now as you look at some of the cyber crimes that we're seeing recently, whether it's the ransomware attacks that, you know, we were just talking about or theft of millions of individuals' health-related data, you know, ID theft, intellectual property theft, healthcare fraud. What trends do you find most disturbing compared to some of the things that you might have seen in the past? I think what is most disturbing is that whatever innovations are made in analytics, artificial intelligence, they'll be used by hackers in the same way that they'll be used by cybersecurity experts. So one thing that I was looking at recently is that hackers will start to use AI. So once they get in and they can see your email, they can start to draft phishing emails that really sound like they're coming from people that you know and are about subjects that you get emails about so that you're more like the old style, oh, I'm over here in Europe and I've lost my wallet, and I have a million dollars in the bank, I need you to help me to get out, and I'll give you half of it. And pretty much everybody gets those emails and just deletes them and, and sends an email to the security guy. But when you get an email from someone that you might actually know that says, you know, I'm working on this deck for the conference, can you take a look at it? And then you open it, and that's it, they're in. So I think the methodologies that they're using are much subtler. And the other piece that's different is, and, and it's starting to be addressed, is sort of anomalous network activity. And that, that's really where you get to the sort of database approach to security is, you know, there, there are organizations, and one spoke at Disrupt London the other day, said, you know, you have to kind of assume you've already been hacked and then understand how to recognize that anomalous network activity. So you have to know what the activity on your network looks like and be able to detect when there's activity going, because somebody might be able to pay someone in your organization who has a password and is allowed to be in the net, in the part of the database that they're in, and they're allowed to look at documents in there, but all of a sudden they're doing a lot of stuff that they've never done before in the three years that they worked there. And that's because someone has leveraged something on them whether it's, you know, personal financial issues or whatever it is, to say, look, I want you to go in and, and get this stuff for me. So it's not always going to be a breach of the firewall or, you know, something physically getting out, but it can even be being people in your organization, you have to be able to track their network activity and make sure that you're seeing those kinds of trends. 
or if a hacker's gotten in and they're using a legitimate identity within your network to do something that it normally wouldn't do. You bring up a good point about the threat of the insider. Do you think that because there have been so many sort of eye-popping headlines about hackers lately, are healthcare sector organizations sort of taking their eye off the ball when it comes to the threat of insiders? Well, hopefully they're not. I mean, I think you're, you have a very good point there, which is healthcare overall is still in a sort of reactive mode. So I'm sure now that there's a ton of action in provider systems and hospitals around these ransomware attacks. So, you know, we've got to have these firewall things. We have to be able to understand this ransomware. We have to be able to resist into these kinds of attacks. And all the other stuff could sort of get pushed to the side. So that's why it's so important to have this multi-layered security culture because the cost on the other side, regardless of whether it's some sophisticated gang and the latest estimates I saw that there's about 50 or so of these different gangs doing these cyber encryption ransomware attacks. Whether it's that or the simplest kind of, I have a bunch of stolen identities and I want to start building your organization. You know, between network mitigation, countermeasures, the loss of productivity of your people, the legal fees you have to pay, the breach response notifications and the credit monitoring, and and then reputational losses. The the costs are tremendous. And generally, one thing I understand from all the prosecutions I did is that, you know, they'll go after the weakest link. If if somebody's pounding and pounding on your cybersecurity and it looks good, it just might as well go to the next one because eventually you're going to find one that's easy to get into. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the things OCR looks for when they do their investigations after there's a breach is, did you do the things that you should have done? You know, there's no absolute defense against this stuff, but if you took all the steps and you, you know, brought the right people in to look at all the different layers of security that you have in place and something happened, you know, that's something that you might have not been able to do anything about. But if you haven't done those steps, the penalty is going to be so much worse, both actual money and reputationally. And, Bill, looking ahead to 2017, there's also a lot of uncertainty in terms of what potential changes the upcoming Trump administration might bring to the healthcare sector, including potentially repealing the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. Now, I know Mark Logic is a provider of, a, of an enterprise database that's used with healthcare.gov. Any thoughts about what kinds of security or privacy risks are potentially posed to consumer data contained in the Obamacare-related systems if that law is indeed repealed and the systems need to be dismantled? I know for a fact that I don't think the dismantling or changing of a program or stopping of a program would affect their privacy and security of that data in any way in a MarkLogic database. We're, our database is common criteria certified. It's actually the only not only SQL database that is, and, and we have a new version coming out imminently that I'm sure we'll have that certification on as well. So i said this before in a number of contexts around the ACA and whether there are changes to it or it's somehow repealed in part. People are still going to need to access healthcare, 
people are still going to need to buy insurance policies, and that's going to happen on some kind of exchange, whether it's healthcare.gov, and even under a lot of the proposals that you see, there would still be some kind of marketplace like that, but it might be more private plans, or it might be in a different way. You might be using a voucher or credit. But, you know, those basic functions of a sustainable healthcare system, access to the plans, access to care, access to government support, Medicare, Medicaid, those things are going to go on. So I think that the, the major, like you said, not taking your eye off the ball because of ransomware makes everybody panic and think about one thing and not think about the other thing. I think it's overall getting to a really secure data-driven strategy that, you know, I under, the data in my database is secure in the database and then I'm running my security at that level, and that, that, and then I can build on top of that. So I don't think that changes due to the change in administration will have any, you know, will affect the security of the data that transactionally goes through or is held in healthcare.gov. Thanks, Bill. I've been speaking to Bill Fox. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.